from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast seen cheetahs but in captivity only i haven't seen them in the wild i've been to sites in india which have had cheetahs maybe 50 years ago and i've imagined what it would look like if there were cheetahs the cheetah was declared extinct in india in 1952 in 2022 the cheetah was expected to return to the kuno national park in madhya pradesh but as times of india's p navin has been reporting from bhopal The project seems to be stuck in red tape. The Madhya Pradesh Forest Department has been drawing funds from a tiger project to keep the cheetah project alive. Other funds that were to come are seemingly drying up. The Namibian government that was supposed to send eight cheetahs across has been delaying the signing, reportedly overseeking India's support to ease ivory export norms. 12 cheetahs are still to come in from South Africa. In today's episode I'm speaking with Neha Sinha about the issues that come with relocating the cheetahs to India. Neha is a conservation biologist and author of the book Wild and Willful. She talks about the biggest challenges with bringing back the cheetah, her problems with the project as it stands, and how the cheetah can be used to achieve bigger things. Neha starts by explaining how the cheetah is very different from other big cats that we're more familiar with, like the tiger and lion. what immediately strikes you is the fact that it's a very lean animal so even though i mean it's large it's it it really isn't as hefty as a leopard or a tiger or a lion it looks like it'll take a beating from these guys and really it does in the wild it's difficult to be a cheetah because any other animal is going to try to take your prey away from you and even a jackal or a leopard or a hyena or a lion may try to take a cheetah's prey away so even though it is a large animal it's much less substantial looking than a leopard or a or a tiger and i think we are used to much bigger big cats here in india but that that's quite a contradiction given um that they're the fastest mammals on earth right they are and that's the thing you know they have to work so hard for their prey and then they have to you know make sure the prey is hidden somewhere or they have to secure their prey so that nobody else takes it from them and there's a lot of footage you know of other animals as i just described taking away the prey of the cheetah because you know even though it's doing all that hard work there are scavengers waiting to kind of take away all that hard work and it's not actually a big cat you know it's not classified as a big cat because it does not roar but of course it is very much a wild animal that needs a lot of land and a lot of habitat in order to hunt i mean it's not like every time they try they get the prey so they they have to try many times and then they get it and then they have to make sure they are able to hide uh, the prey or take it somewhere where nobody else is taking it away from them so you you spoke of uh, visiting places that have had yeah. cheetahs in them in the past what kind of landscapes are we talking about so you know we associate big cats with forests in india 
And first of all, as I said, the cheetah is not a big cat. And second of all, it's not a forest animal. So it actually lives in grasslands. And, you know, the typical savanna grassland that you kind of associate with Africa, in which you have grasses and, you know, the land is kind of brown with these brown grasses and you have these short trees. That's basically the cheetah habitat. So it has evolved to run fast through grasses. So, for example, a tiger also runs, but it doesn't run um, typically as long a distance as, as, a, as a cheetah will run. Tiger will live in forest, it will live in mangroves, it will live on mountains. And uh, a cheetah will live mostly in scrub forest and in grasslands. One of the biggest issues with this entire cheetah reintroduction is that we don't actually have enough grasslands left in India. Uh, to do justice to bringing this animal because, you know, grasslands have been converted either to pasture land uh, where, you know, people are using it to uh, for their cattle. And it's, uh, you know, we can have a model in which we work with the cattle owners and the pastoral nomadic communities to have both cattle and cheetahs, but it requires a lot of um, sort of governance. And uh, the other thing is grasslands have been burnt and converted into uh, croplands mostly, which is why a lot of grassland species are really struggling to survive in India. A good example is the great Indian bustard, of which only about 100 are left in the world. And it's a grassland bird. And um, because there are such few grasslands left, you know, we have very few great Indian bustards left. And there's also the, uh, the, the gazelle, which is um, the chinkara. And there's also the Indian wolf, uh, which I don't know if you've heard about or seen, uh, because, you know, the Indian wolf also is a creature of grassland. And uh, typically grasslands are outside, you know, the celebrated tiger reserves. They're outside uh, places that have, uh, that get a lot of tourist attention. And therefore, it's the grassland that needs saving first. Before we think of bringing something like the cheetah, we need to make sure we have grasslands. Even just the transportation of a cheetah, a wild animal from one continent to another, what are the challenges that that comes with? We have done translocations before, though, though they've mostly been domestic. So for example, tigers have been moved between different states. And, you know, I wouldn't worry so much about that. What I would worry about is the reasons why we're doing this project. This is not a natural migration, right? This is a kind of a forced colonization or a forced migration or a forced translocation. It's completely a human-induced intervention. So I, we are definitely going to lose animals. And, you know, that is true for any kind of project such as this one. But I would worry about why are we doing this? The standard, the cheetah project is to, you know, bring back, uh, you know, a kind of iconic animal that we lost uh, uh, just when we were becoming independent. Uh, and uh, it's also about restoring uh, grasslands, at least on paper. However, the project is only bringing the cheetahs to Kuno, which is a much smaller area. And, you know, I think they're only bringing five in the first instance. And the fear really is that it becomes a vanity project. Uh, a lot of biologists like Ravi Chellam and many others have written about this and spoken about this extensively that uh, why are we doing this? Are we doing this just for the symbolic value? 
or are we doing this because we actually want to use the animal for its functional value of saving the ecosystem so the most important thing is you cannot save wild animals without saving the habitat they live in so if you are only going to bring them for an already protected area which is kuno and just leave it at that then it kind of becomes a safari park and a tourist attraction and nothing else uh, i wish that we would do this instead uh, to save the grasslands that are not protected in India. There are such grasslands in Maharashtra, in Madhya Pradesh, outside of protected reserves that need this kind of stewardship. I don't have a problem with tourism. I have no problem with even, you know, using an animal to, to show how uh, uh, glorious and how inspiring it is. But it needs to be taken a step forward in order to for it to benefit conservation. And benefiting conservation over here would mean saving unprotected grasslands that are getting lost every day. But Neha says, it's not just the grasslands that we need to worry about. There's another animal that's putting more than one species of wildlife at risk. There's also another very big issue that we really need to talk about in the Indian context, and that is of dogs. So we have a huge population of dogs. They're um, variably called stray dogs or feral dogs. They're basically just a domestic dog that, uh, whose populations have exploded. One of the reasons why this could have happened is because the vulture population has crashed in India and dogs have kind of um, replaced vultures as scavengers. But study after study has shown that dogs worldwide are the biggest competition to predators today because they're so intelligent they, they're able to hunt in the day and in the night they're not scared of people they're able to live near people as well as away from them and they're hunting all the time in the kind of area that a cheetah can live in dogs are killing everything they are killing great indian bustards they're killing chinkaras the gazelle i told you about they're killing black bucks they're killing uh, birds as well and um we need to take care of this dog problem. I have seen dogs take down wild animals in grasslands many, many times. And they, they actually are working like wolves do, which is there's a pack of four or five. And they basically chase the animal until it gets exhausted. And they lead it inside either water or they lead it against a fence or against a wall. And they impale it. And basically because they're working together, they're stronger than the prey animals. So you cannot have dogs in wildlife areas. Uh, one of the reasons is them eating wild animals. Uh, the other reason is that they carry a lot of disease, which they are able to transmit to wild animals. And there was actually a canine distemper virus epidemic in uh, Gujarat, in Gir, with the lions. And, uh, you know, it must have come uh, from the dogs that are over there. And, uh, you know, dogs would very easily be able to take a cheetah down. There's actually footage of dogs attacking snow leopards in, in the Himalayas. And the snow leopard is a much larger, more, you know, substantial animal than a cheetah. So unless we can take care of this, it would actually be wrong to bring the cheetah. But if we do it right, if we bring the cheetah to protect the last grasslands that are left that don't have protection, we take care of the dog issue, we work with local communities to make sure there's no retaliatory killing of the cheetahs if the cheetahs eat their livestock, then it's a good project that you know we can all get behind.
Neha says that one major issue with the preservation of grasslands, the cheetah's natural habitat, is that we've never looked at them as wildlife ecosystems. Historically, we have looked at grasslands as wastelands. And they are not actually wastelands. They are just the right ecosystem for that kind of temperature. So there are places in India that are so hot that you're not going to have tall tropical trees. You are going to have grasslands and scrub forests. So we can't have, you know, lush tropical forests everywhere. And oftentimes we have looked at grasslands as barren areas that either need to be, you know, converted to some thick forest. And so they have this artificial plantations, artificial watering, etc. Usually it gets converted to some other land use, which is industry, housing, etc. With um, the Cheetah project itself, one of the big holdups is cited as Namibia's insistence that India support its clause for the CITES, which allows it to export wildlife products like ivory. Um, why would India not, say, support something like that? So the CITES is the Convention on uh, Trade in Endangered Species. So it allows the trade in parts of endangered species, but it also bans it. So it is up to the country and what its domestic laws and its domestic values are. And uh, the reason India will not support selling of ivories because we are a victim of you know ivory trafficking because uh, Indian elephants are killed for their ivory and similarly tiger skins um, are traded illegally so we have we are uh, a source population an illegal source population because we have all this wildlife which is valued in international markets it's a very big and thriving international market there's a lot of wildlife contraband this includes ivory tiger skin rhino horn um, Uh, leopard skins, lion bone, pangolin scales, and all of this is really, really valuable. This is one of the reasons why, for example, we only have about 3,000 tigers in India, even though we have so much protection. Tigers get poached all the time, and the same is true for rhinos as well. They get poached all the time, and so do elephants. So because we've been trying to combat this poaching, you know, it would be very hypocritical of us to support uh, the sale of such ivory. So basically, countries like Namibia want to get international support for the sale of ivory. And they will say something like, we want to sell our own ivory. But the fact is, it's very difficult to tell the difference, right? So the moment you kind of open the sale, you basically don't know where the elephant has come from. So we don't know whether it's African or Indian. Of course, you can do forensics, but poachers are not doing forensics. They, they are not buyers and sellers just want the ivory. And there's also, you know, a kind of hierarchy in all of this in that the wild animal is seen as more valuable. So, you know, you people uh, do have tiger farms, for example, in China, but uh, the demand is for wild tiger products or, you know, wild ivory because, you know, these are all kind of either ornamental or they're used in traditional Chinese medicine or they're used in these kind of uh, kind of superstition based things which basically pay a premium for the wild animals. If we say yes to one country trading in ivory, we're kind of opening the floodgates for the illegal trade of our own ivory and our own elephants. This kind of using the cheetah as a front for 
opening up trade in wildlife is kind of it's kind of not fair it's kind of a false equivalence but i understand the cheetahs will finally come from south africa and not namibia so one aspect is also the fact you mentioned how introduction of the cheetah could be this vanity project where tourists come in and uh, you have these specialized centers where people just come to view the animal does something like this boost conservation in general does it have a sort of spillover effect does something like this have the potential to improve conservation is actually about saving natural habitat to restore the natural habitat and you have you know uh the the fauna that comes in so if you look at you know the plants as the basis of the ecosystem if you have the flora in place and you have the land in place you will get the fauna of course it is important to have societal approval and to have a greater consensus that you know this uh, that it should be a national priority to save you know an animal or to let it live with dignity and um I think I'm of the view that it is important to see wild animals in order to feel that you you can't just be told that you know we should save the tiger or we should save the cheetah. So it is important to see them. I am in favor of animals being seen, but what I am saying is it cannot be restricted to that. That is just one part of the entire story. The most important thing is to make sure that they have the land they need and the habitat they need and all the sympatric animals meaning all the other native animals that live in the grassland also deserve that same dignity because they are really really getting uh you know wiped out everywhere so i would love to see as i said new grasslands being protected i would love to see wolves there uh, the great indian bustard the gazelle over there and uh, if we say that we are saving the cheetah just by bringing it to kunokpalpur i would say that's not conservation conservation would be using this cheetah as a fantastic flagship or an ambassador or a mascot to save our remaining grasslands in the way that the tiger has been used as a mascot to save many different kinds of habitat we have tigers all over india and using the tiger as a kind of goodwill ambassador we've managed to save many important and very different you know habitats in different states of india so i i want to see the cheetah being used to save grasslands in central india and west india that would be real conservation what is being proposed at the moment and i hope that it evolves from here what is being proposed at the moment is more a kind of a, a show piece rather than conservation Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at typodcast@timesinternet.in.